Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Judges, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Before we read this text, let us take a moment to pause and center our hearts with prayer. Dear Heavenly Teacher, as we read your word, we put our trust in you to bring us to see what we have not yet seen. As we listen for your wisdom, awaken us to hear what we have not yet heard, and help us to pay attention to what you are trying to say. Amen. Amen. Now, Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was a leader of Israel at that time. She would sit under Deborah's palm tree between Ramah and Bethel in the Ephraim Highlands. The Israelites would come to her to settle disputes. She sent word to Barak, Abinoam's son, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, Hasn't the Lord, Israel's God, issued you a command? Go and assemble at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 men from the people of Naphtali and Zebulon with you. All lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, to assemble with his chariots and troops against you at the Kishon River. And then I'll help you overpower him. Barak replied to her, If you go with me, I'll go. But if not, I won't go. Then Deborah answered, I'll definitely go with you. However, the path you're taking won't bring honor to you, because the Lord will hand over Sisera to a woman. Then Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks 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 be to God. Our New Testament passage from today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Listen for what God is saying to the church. Saul was spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, seeking letters to the synagogue in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. During the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light of heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up and enter the city. You will be told what you must do. Those traveling with him stood there speechless. They heard the voice but saw no one. After they picked Saul up from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he could not see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and neither ate nor drank anything. In Damascus, there was a certain disciple named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in vision. Ananias, he answered. Yes, Lord. The Lord instructed him, Go to Judas, house on Straight Street, and ask for a man from Taras named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias enter and put his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias countered, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man. People say he has done horrible things to the holy people in Jerusalem. He is here with authority from the chief priest to arrest anyone who calls on your name. 
The Lord replied, Go. This man is the agent I have chosen to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Ananias went to the house. He placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me, Jesus, who appeared to you on the way as you were coming here. He sent me so that I, you could see any again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, flakes fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After eating, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Things are difficult at any stage in your life, whether it's moving, getting a new job, or entering a new relationship. As a teenager with adulthood right around the corner, my entire life feels like it's transitioning. I'm no longer a kid, but I'm not an adult yet either. I've lived in the same house my entire life, but soon I could be moving across the country for college. I've seen the same people every day at school, but now I might never see them again. My freshman year in high school was difficult for me. I was still figuring out who I was, where I belonged, and what my passions were. That year, I really felt alone. At the end of the school year, I heard about our church's high school mission trip to Indiana. I had always wanted to go on a mission trip, but I was hesitant because I wasn't close with anyone else who was going on the trip. Despite my fears, I decided to go. I thought that if I didn't like it, I didn't have to go on another one. That mission trip was God's way of reaching out to me. One of my favorite memories of the trip was when we would sing together with Christian pop songs. One night, we were singing My Lighthouse by Rain Collective, and one of the kids told us that this was the song you were supposed to jump during the chorus. Of course, as high school students, we could not pass up an opportunity to get our energy out. We were all laughing and smiling, and I remember thinking, it was amazing, God had brought all of these people together. I felt accepted by the group, and I felt closer to God than I had in a long time. Most of all, I knew I was not alone. God was there to guide me through that transition into high school. That trip taught me so much about what it means to be a Christian. Change is never easy, although it can be exciting. It is an inevitable part of life. Since we can't stop change from occurring, we can only control how we react to it. One reaction to anger might be confusion or anger. You might question why this is happening. It is in these moments of disarray that you need to look to God for guidance. Transitions are scary because you do not know what the future might hold. It makes sense to be afraid of the unknown. Even though the future might be a mystery to us, the future is not a mystery to God. Another reason why transitions are difficult is because they push us out of our comfort zones. Humans are creatures of habit, so it is tough when we are forced to break our routine and form new ones. Some people might view these times as annoyances. Another way to look at these moments is that it is as an opportunity to grow as a person and a Christian. By being pushed out of our bubbles, we face the chance to improve our relationship with God. Saul's life changed dramatically when he was pushed out of his bubble and met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Before that day, he was a devout Jew who persecuted Christians. 
But after that experience, he became a follower of Jesus and the most powerful leader of the early church. Yet he was now the one being persecuted, jailed, and eventually killed for all he did. Through all of the uncertain transitions he faced, Paul relied on the strength of God and the community of faith around him to get through it. With all the changes going on in life, it is easy to become overwhelmed. It is on all this chaos and uncertainty that it is important to look to God. God will always be there, even when it seems like everything is new. He is constant and never changing. He will ground you through the times of transition, just like God was there for guiding Saul through his time of transformation. The challenges we will meet as we finish high school and begin the next chapter in our lives can be met in the same ways, by depending on the support systems God has put in place for us, our families, our friends, our church. Even when we are away from home, prayer and faith in God will run deep within our hearts to sustain us through whatever transitions come our way. Amen. Imagine a dark and stormy sea. In it, a small fishing vessel rocks back and forth. At times, it seems as though the storm will overtake the boat, but it remains above water, if only barely. This image is my soul, and this storm consists of questions booming in my mind. There are flashes of doubt striking me when I least expect them, sometimes blinding me, like Saul. Drenching me and sending shivers down my spine are the thoughts and opinions of so many others shaming me or expecting something from me. There's a movie called Rise of the Guardians about the legends of our childhood. Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Sandman, the Easter Bunny, and last but not least, Jack Frost. The movie revolves around this idea of having a center or an anchor each character can operate from. It comes from the concept of Russian nesting dolls, egg-like dolls that open up and reveal a smaller and slightly different doll each time. When we strip away the outside layers, we find the center of who we are. Santa Claus has a center of wonder because of his desire to open up the eyes of children to new and exciting things. The Easter Bunny Center is hope because of the thawing of winter and for what spring represents, resurrection and new life. The protagonist of the story, Jack Frost, is trying to discover his center because once a character finds their center and knows who they truly are, they are strong enough to share their gift with the world. This movie was remarkably formational for me because the message, finding a center from which we can authentically and vulnerably interact with the world, has helped me be a healthier and more whole person. My most important work as a peer minister is helping students find their centers. In order to do that, I must operate from my own center. What is left when everything else is stripped away? To find our center, we have to dive into our own story however uncomfortable it may be. What has happened is happening, and what do we hope will happen? For myself, I can look to the questions and doubts I had and still have. 
I was never content as a middle or high schooler to accept an answer just because someone in authority said it. I questioned everything and wanted to know about everything. In fact, I struggled in school not because I didn't want to learn, but because I always wanted to go deeper, read further, and couldn't focus on the lesson at hand. Because I said so, or because that's how it's always been, were not good enough answers. Yet in my weaker moments, I've certainly taken this easy way out in working with youth. But every question matters because it reinforces curiosity, a vital component of what happens to be my center, imagination. When we take time to explore questions and go on the journey of discovery together, we can learn what our center is and cultivate it. While life may seem like chaos, and there are certainly chaotic moments, knowing our center can anchor us through the storm and help us stay afloat. Imagination helps me dream of better futures and actively participate in creating them. Imagination helps me to empathize with others and encourage them to dream up their own beautiful futures. Our centers are more than just anchors to help us stay afloat. They can also be lighthouses to guide others to the shore. They can also be our gift to the world. For example, example, if your center is knowledge and you love to learn, you can return that love to the world and teach others what you know. If your center is creativity, you can create beautiful things to inspire those who see them. A center can be anything, not just what I've listed, but anything that can help us wake up from nightmares. But the nightmares we experience can be more than just nightmares. The anxiety is real. The hopelessness is real. The crisis is real. But in fear and doubt, we can grow stronger in faith, hope, and love, not in spite of the wrestling, but because of it. Always and consistently, the Spirit of God abides over the formless, chaotic waters, calling out to awaken us from troubled slumber, inviting us and encouraging the cultivation of our souls. So imagine your soul as the vastness of the sea, all that is below it, unseen and content to be mysterious. Imagine the storm raging above it and fueled by it. But between it, the boat, small and fragile, tossed violently back and forth, but anchored by something, a center, your center, whatever it may be. Amen. Let us continue in worship as we pray for each other and the world. Let us pray. Holy God, you are the light of the world. Scripture tells us your light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. You are the light in this world, even on these cold and gray winter days. We see your light and love in the people we meet, both those we have known for a lifetime and those we greet on the street with a passing smile. We see your light in creation all around us, the quiet beauty of a fresh snowfall in the spring flowers that will bloom in the spring. Holy God, your light is all around us, even when we can't see it or feel it. You are there with us. You meet us where we are, at the crossroads of our life. You find us in our grief, our pain, our uncertainty, and our fear, and you love us through it all. Lord, in those fragile places and transitional spaces, Help us to see more of you. We pray for those people and places all around our world who are hurting. 
We pray for those who are grieving and those for who are lonely, and we and who and and for all of us who need to be reminded of your holiness, O Lord. We pray for countries and people torn apart by war and for the divisions that run deep in our families and communities. We pray for our leaders, teachers, and politicians. We pray for students, parents, and neighbors. Lord, we pray for the people we know and the people we don't. We pray for your world to experience more of your love and joy, more of your grace and mercy, and that they might seek more of you in each of us. Lord, you are the light in our darkness. In our daily lives, help help us seek more of you, more of your love, and more of your light. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.